The Kern Institute Podcast Network. everyone and welcome to Medical Education Matters. Uh, I'm Michael Brown and I'm here with two of our regular panelists, Jeff Amundsen and Anita Bublik-Anderson. Today we're talking about the games we play or the skills that we have that we bring to our work and the pros and cons of bringing those things here. So this all got started. It was before we recorded our Valentine's Day episode. We got to talking about chess and I said chess is one of my dad skills. So the things that I wanted to be okay at before I had kids. The other two, in case you're interested, were playing the guitar. Again, not like a virtuoso, but you know, I can play chords and I can sing along. And then juggling, that was the other one. Again, I'm not joining the circus, but I can keep two or three (laughs) balls up in the air. Uh, I want my kids to think of me as someone with those skills. Uh, So this got us thinking about play and games and the non-work skills we have that we bring into into our work. And this was a really kind of fun off the cuff conversation. So we thought, okay, let's actually turn this into something. Um, so we all thought about skills and games, other things that that inform how we think about our work. And we're excited to kind of talk through them today. Um, so I, I'll get started right away with chess. Uh, Jeff, Anita, are either of you chess players? Nope, not I. I did. Uh, my father taught me how to play chess. And then once I started beating him, he didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> so... And I and I and I and I've played with my wife, and uh, she's beaten me. And now I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's one of those games where, on an equal board, losing every time can be frustrating. Now, the good thing about chess, you can do some nice handicapping. The better player starts, you know, down a rook or down a bishop or even you know down a queen or a couple pieces. Um, and with all the computer assistance out there, I found it's pretty easy to get better. So there's this service called Lee chess, L I chess.org, which is an open source uh, chess training tool. So you can play against their computer models. You can match against real players. And they also have a vast array of puzzles of all different types. So you can even identify a skill that you want to improve and specifically focus on puzzles of that skill. And that's, that's really what chess teachers are all about, right? Is setting up these different patterns for you to see and then practicing a sequence of moves so that when you come across it in the actual game, you recognize it and you know the sequence of, of move to play. And in fact, it's this kind of sequencing and patterning that I think is, is kind of an interesting aspect of chess. I mean, when I think of chess and I think about the workplace and education, I think chess is the perfect example of a system. Every piece has their own strength and their own abilities And they all work together to achieve a common goal. That's what we want to do, right? Like, ultimately, I mean, Anita, if if your students walked out of med school and they said, I understand my role and I see myself as part of a system with all other people in their roles and I know how we're working together. What what would you say if someone said that when they walked out of med school? Would you be happy? I would would be super impressed if they had that insight from their brief four years in medical school. That would be awesome. It's kind of the goal of, of professional identity formation, right? Jeff, what do you think? Well, you got me thinking hierarchy, actually, because the way the game's set up and those roles that are played, there's sacrificial pieces <laughs> and there's pieces that we want to protect. 
So not sure how that all plays out. Um, but I do appreciate the patterning process that goes into it. I think even a lot of games rely on that. Uh, cards perhaps even mm. close to that in a lot of ways. We'll talk about you know the, the, my interest in that later. But yeah, no, I mean, I think stereotypically I've always thought of chess as something that you know highly intelligent people do uh, you know depending on how we define intelligence of course um but lately I've discovered that you know it can also be uh, a process that maybe hinders creativity mm-hmm. yeah and I, and so I, I wonder you know that kind of way of thinking can be beneficial and how it might be a hindrance at sometimes too. So yeah. Yeah. You're certainly on a, a circumscribed playing surface with pieces that are set up exactly the same way every game. And uh th- there's this book, it was made into a movie, Searching for Bobby Fisher by Fred Waitskin. I don't know if either of you have read it. I actually found Bobby Fisher. <laughs> I found him. Where was he? He was in Iceland. He ended up in Iceland, like he lived the last years of his life in Iceland. And when I was on a tour last year of Iceland, we went through the little town where Bobby Fischer lived. And it was also famous for Icelandic yogurt. So that's my connection. Delicious. Fantastic. (laughs) So so in this book, uh, the author makes a really compelling argument that chess is is you know, of course, it's a game that takes intelligence and whatnot, but it's fundamentally not this sort of creative intellectual game. And and he notes that many of the world's greatest chess players are just people with average intelligence who have dedicated their lives and done the studying necessary to become better at chess, that this is just something that they've enjoyed and they've found joy in and they've been willing to play. Um, you know, there is room for creativity in chess, but it's not the same kind of artistic creativity that we might find in in pursuit of the arts or even in pursuit of other games. I think there are other games where so much more is possible in how you play that there are more opportunities to to express creativity. Well, and I would even add my thinking and reflecting on my personal experience with it, mentioning how my uh, the person who allows me to call her wife, I like to say it that way, Krista is always uh, awesome and playing games with me we engage in a lot as a couple thing to do too so that's another way of building a relationship is through the game process but with the chess as i'm sitting here it's like an opportunity also to 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 dress my own ego like right like yeah i, I don't want to play anymore is, is because I, I lost right and how can i learn to be comfortable with losing i guess is is the simplest way to put it right so there is a, a benefit of that in a game that is l- stereotypically seen as an game of intelligence so to speak mm-hmm. and i recognize the way i was playing is more like just for the fun of it like i wasn't strategically and i knew this piece go over here and i of course i wanted to get the queen you want to get the other pieces but it, until i started really thinking more about it i started perhaps losing for myself personally losing interest in it because when it became more strategic all of a sudden the fun was taken out of it you know what I mean? So that's, yeah, just in this moment now as we're talking about this, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, but again, this is what the game is opening up for me right now, too. Yeah, that's right. I'd have to say, like, when I think about chess, other than, like, the Queen's Gambit and that, like, Netflix series that I maybe watched a couple episodes of, but, like, I think about those rules and, like, how things are very, um, like, how it's so standardized and, like, 
like set it's like hey you know how come the queen can't like move this way like i i just it just inherently doesn't appeal to me so i gotta ask i i gotta <laughs> ask you how does that relate to medicine for you because i find that um like medicine seems to be very prescribed in a lot of ways for obvious reasons um and again my schema for medicine is mash the old mash tv show and hawkeye hawkeye had to improvise a lot right and Mm -hmm. and 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 was questioned a lot about his creative ways of handling serious medical issues on the front lines i'm just wondering have you ever had to to improvise and, and and i mean challenge the prescribed game so to speak yeah versus... i mean you, in surgery you have to be able to really think on your feet and like uh i mean there's like a set there's anatomy where things usually are but it doesn't always happen that way and then there can be other things that are just going to patient to patient they're just going to be different like what you're working with is maybe a ovarian mass on one side or you're dealing with you know, certain body habitus or like equipment failure that you need to like be able to approach it a different way or. So the chessboard isn't always the same. No, it's not always the same. I mean, those are sort of like, that's where you start. I mean, maybe that's sort of like foundational science is like, that's where you start, but then you see it all the interplay of how it all fits together and works. And maybe this one's a little different and this is like precision medicine, right? Like how individual, you know, people or can react differently um, to a medication or a therapy or like their metabolism is nuanced in a way that doesn't respond like, you know, or they could have something very rare and they have, they have, uh, you know, an experience of, of a manifestation of like something that this isn't common. Right. So a, a move you've never seen. <laughs> Yeah, like a movie you've never seen before. Like it's it was dropped from outer space. Like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that. It's a, like a really rare thing. So it, it makes me think of art. We train our students who who wish to become artists. We we train them by painting still lives. But when they move out into the world and are done with their education, we hope none of them are sitting and painting still lives. That's that's not true artistic <laughs> expression. We want them to do something else. We want them to yeah. do the thing that we've never seen before. Um I love that. Well, so so limit, you know, things we can get from chess and limits from chess. Um, I think we're going to see that as a theme of of all these things that we talk about. Jeff, you want to you want to pick a game and and talk about it next. What it brings uh, for you to work in education? Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's this game called dice, a dice game called Farkle, F A R K L E. Um, there's six dice, and you have to get combinations um uh you know, and earn points up to 10,000 points and the first one to 10,000 points wins so we'll keep it simple as that check it out if you're if you're interested but like most dice games it's a game of chance right and i think um if, and and thinking about today's talk that idea of taking chances mitigating risk um bravery for talking character um those kinds of things I, I recognize in education, sometimes, you know, if not the majority of the time, it is a big risk, right? Uh, kind of back to uh, Anita's point uh, prior to, to, to us starting today's podcast about, 
creating a game right and 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 she could just lecture or she could do the game and it was like oh i'm gonna take this chance so i think education affords a lot of opportunity to take chances and and uh so that's something you know as an educator i do as much as possible and i think even entering into the medical uh education profession was a chance right it was was a, a risk of of not knowing what to expect uh, in terms of um, things that may be similar or may be different from my prior educational experiences at a, at a university or public institutions. Um, so yeah, Farkle, game of chance where you're mitigating your risks and sometimes you have to take that gamble, which leads us to maybe thinking about the gambler's fallacy and we could talk about that. But it also made me think about when we think of flourishing, um, Aristotle kind of recognizes that there's a little bit of luck involved in flourishing, right? It's one thing to have the resources available to you. It's another thing to be born into those resources. Okay, if that makes any sense in that distinction, I guess in both cases they're available to you, but uh, clarify. People are sometimes born into opportunity. Others have to seek it. Um, so, you know, that game of chance, right, requires a good amount of luck. When you think about games, even games that are essentially skill-based games, like uh, I'll use Scrabble as an example, there is that component of luck that if we ignore, can the game can become incredibly frustrating. So you're playing Scrabble and you're able to play a word that scores eight points and you think, this game is no good, I'm terrible at it, what's wrong with me? Well, when you're staring at letters that are, you know, six uh, six vowels, and mm -hmm. the the G, uh, the opportunities to make a bigger play are limited. And when we recognize that luck component of it, I think it can make the game more fun. I'm wondering if there are opportunities even in life to recognize that luck component and to say, yeah, you know what? That person did have better quote unquote luck than me or worse luck than me. And I have to recognize that that's a key component of what they're bringing to the table. If we all recognize that and acknowledge it, Maybe there are more opportunities for flourishing than if we if we pretend we have to hide behind it, hide the deficits of luck we've had, or in many cases, hide the advantages that we've had. And I think there's a good example of that from a conversation I had was having yesterday with some uh, I like to call emerging physicians. Uh, I try to avoid students or their fellow learners or emerging physicians. And it was around this idea of um, privilege the privilege of being in medical school while others have are still you know striving to get there and it was interesting the insights that these emerging physicians had around that idea as a way of achieving gratitude for their situation so i'm lucky to be here it makes me feel more grateful about my situation and it actually was helping them deal with some of their stresses too hmm. interesting anita i know that's a that's a conversation or a co component that you've done a lot of thinking about and talking about oh yeah for sure especially because i am i've been involved in admissions on the campus and um actually have an interview day tomorrow so you know and i think about and i'm reading applications all the time and talking to people who are trying to get in the door and you know we we as a committee have to make that decision which is kind of interesting because it's like it's a it's a pretty high stakes. It's somebody's life, you know, and a whole trajectory could be of their life could be very different. 
And I suppose ultimately, you know, if, if we want to think about Farkle as as this game <laughs> that helps us to think about privilege, I think it does. There's also this question of how much do you want luck determining your life? Farkle's fun because you can you can play differently. I'm going to play really conservative today. I'm going to you know lock down my score or whatever. Or you can say, you know what, this is a game, and the more I keep rolling, the more risks I take. Um, you know, like being at the craps table, the more, the more rolls I do, uh, the, the more fun it is. But that's probably not a component that takes us very far in the workplace, especially not if the workplace is medicine. Yeah, I don't think so. But it sounds like fun, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a casino. Yeah. Well, you know, in a way it's kind of, well, in some regards, like in anatomy, we often try to encourage curiosity, right? Like take, Take take that feel. Are you feeling a little bit more curious today? Well, then try a little different technique. Go explore. Um, yeah, cut that piece off and let's see what's behind it, kind of thing. Um, even though it's not in the manual or it's not part of the, you know, expectations for for the lesson for that day. So, um, so a little bit at least. You know, and of course in anatomy we have a little more freedom, right? There's a little less high stakes there, but uh, does afford those opportunities. That's for sure. We want to find those opportunities for risk taking in cases where it's safe and can be fun, right? Uh, exactly to the point that we've we've learned well what's a risk, what's not a risk, uh, what are the what are the right things to do in practice. So one that brings to mind um, a book by Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote, um, I think this one was uh, David and Goliath, and he talks about like the underdog a lot, and. He he profiles a man who basically like uh, he had he was in the pediatric wards. I must have been in the 60s and there was no treatment for leukemia for children. Mm-hmm. And it was he just they just describe it as it was just like a, just a bloodbath because these kids would just bleed out. It was tragic and like everybody died. And and uh, so through creativity and like just needing to do something. He was he went kind of rogue and did some did research um, to try to help these kids. And it took, you know, it took that creative thinking and risk taking. And he encountered a lot of obstacles, people who were like, you can't do that. And he was like, they're dying. You know, like we have to do something. It was a really interesting chapter um, of like how that and now like pediatric leukemia is like pretty much curable, treatable. Wow. We have to sustain that that joy, uh, even in the, the darkest times, and and the the willingness to take risks, to find uh, to find the outcome people previously may have thought was impossible or would have taken a lot mm-hmm. longer to discover. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Look at that. All that from Farkle. Farkle, a, a, a wonderful dice rolling game. Anita, what's yeah. a what's a game you want to share with us? So the game I want, I have a couple games. Um, but the the games that I really enjoy spectating are the Olympics. Like the Olympics are just like these. I mean, that's just part of my my mo is I really like the excellence involved in like what these athletes are capable of doing and the training and just the rigor and um it's just and the backstory to a lot of you know they do the little story behind and it's on my bucket list to go to an Olympic games maybe L A I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Winter Olympics is more my style, but like biathlon, that'd be cool. 
I was thinking about the Olympics and I, I had read an article in Outside Magazine about about Norway, about how they raise children in Norway and how that's different. And their approach to sport is uh, very different from that of the United States. And it really was in, you know, they, they mentioned in the article that in Beijing in 2022, that Norway, they sent 84 athletes to Beijing and they won 16 gold medals. The United States sent 224 athletes and won eight gold medals. So, and I was like, wow, hmm. that's, that's pretty amazing. And they, they attribute it to how they approach sport and competition in their youth. And they were talking about like forest schools and kids exploring and, and, um, being outside a lot. And, um, in night and this all kind of started in 1967. There were 15 Norwegians. They were doing like this kind of risky trekking and they died. It was a tragedy. And the country responded by trying to um, ex like teach kids what to do in, you know, in the outside and how to be safe and how to like maneuver. And then they, they passed in 1987, they ratified the children's rights in sport like formal legislation so that in sports in mm -hmm. games that the purpose is to gain skills make friends and have fun there's no winning mm -hmm. um they explicitly ban rankings keeping score and timed competition before the age of 11 and i was like wow that is just and so these kids just go out there they like you know they're they're out there to play to connect build friendships they try different things they're not like like funneled into like one sport that that's the only thing they're going to do and you think about michael phelps he was a three-sport athlete and like he dominates because it's like that cross training and just being exposed to like different body movements and like elements of those different sports so it just made me think about how in medical education Maybe we're funneling and we're like really focused on, you know, tests and grades and like the competition of like getting in, you know, and then like you get in and you make it and then you want like the competitive, you know, ranking, you want the, the highly competitive specialty or institution in which to do your, you know, further your training or practice and be the chief of staff and like that never ending, you know, never ending competition. Like, what is it going to mean? Right. Yeah. And if I, my memory serves me correctly, I, I think in Norway, their, their schooling is set up so that the kids don't receive grades up until about that same age too. Like I could be wrong on that. It's been a while since I looked at that. The other question I have though, is do you know where we emphasize sport to the level of where even getting into a good college, right? You have to have yeah. played sport. Well, I assume. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a bias to a lot of the Ivies for, um, um, for athletes and legacy. Right. So I'm assuming Norway probably doesn't do that just because I, do they have a universal education system over there where everyone goes to college for free i can't remember but probably i mean i don't yeah. know much about it but i'm like i gotta go check out norway i mean there's yeah. a few arts too like i really want to see i want to see the few arts it's supposed to be pretty cool well i love this idea this this kind of recognition of the downside of competition because here we're talking about games and, and a 
key component of every game we've talked about so far is the idea of a winner and a loser. Um, when it comes to the workplace, unless we're very careful to define who it is who's winning and who it is who's losing, you know, in medicine, the winner is the patient and their family and the, the team treating them and the loser is the disease or something like that. Uh, unless we're careful to define it that way, bringing competition into the workplace is, a, I'll just say it's a risky proposition. Um, I, I'm certainly open to arguments where someone wants to point out opportunities for bringing competition that can bring out the best in everyone. But I think there are there are so many clear downsides uh, that it it almost makes taking this game sense and, and recognizing that we're bringing a component into the workplace that sometimes is fundamentally incompatible with what we're trying to achieve. And it sounds like that's something Norway has recognized. So so perhaps a delicate subject here, but what are your both your thoughts then on awards and recognition and kind of meritocracy? I mean, I would love to talk more about meritocracy. I'll I'll put myself down as a pretty big skeptic of meritocracy, um, even as I hope, <laughs> as I hope it benefits me ultimately. Yeah, but I still right. have skepticism of it. Right. Well, well, that that kind of touches on something too I've experienced lately is this strategizing, right? Like all this. I mean, to some level, even. A game of chance like Farkle, it requires a level of, well, am I going to take this risk or not? How might I save myself now to gain more in the future, perhaps? Um, so I've wrestled with that in thinking about today, too, and and, and how it's become so internalized. I sometimes have heard um, others say, well, you know, we all weigh out cost benefits and we all um, you know, maneuver ourselves around in certain places for for personal gain um, at perhaps the expense of others. Uh, this strategizing, I wonder if it dehumanizes the situation. Mm. It takes me back to chess, right? And this idea that one could conceive of a team as pieces on a board. And there's the upside of seeing how the pieces work together and understanding a system to achieve a goal. But on the other hand, how many chess sets, some some chess sets put faces on the pieces, but many of them are completely faceless. The pawns themselves mm. are interchangeable. Um, there's a sense that if we want to truly see the game, we have to see these, we have to dehumanize whatever it is we're doing. You know, the sacrifice yeah. of a piece. Jeff, you mentioned that as a yeah. core component of chess those things are not only are they really not applicable to work, but if they were practiced in, in what we do, they'd be antithetical to what we're trying to achieve. You know, the, I'm going to bring this person forward. I'm going to put all the blame on them so that I can get away scot-free with whatever mistake was made. Those are, those are behaviors that don't help us to advance uh, toward our shared goals. Right. And I, and I think it starts to undermine trust, right? Like, and that's such a critical component of human relationships, especially the patient-physician relationship. Um, but I would even go as far as to say that the edge, you know, the, the 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 pedagogist and the 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 learner in the in the learning environment, right? That they can trust that they can come and kind of what we alluded to earlier have us have a safe place to take chances, take risks, without being persecuted, right? Um, so yeah, that's another aspect of the gamification of of 
I don't know, work, achievement, um, whatever we want to label it as to, to, to all of a sudden become this thing of, well, can I really trust you? Or are you just, you know, another person to compete with, you know? Well, so Anita, this takes me back to the idea of the Olympic spirit, that this is something other than just, you know, people trying to bash each other's brains in to win. Do you do you still believe in the Olympic spirit, Anita? Does that do. does that torch still burn in your heart? It does. It burns deep. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the um, maybe it's just like the focus and the drive of like, I mean, maybe I relate to it just because of, you know, having, you know, doing some epic stuff um you have to be really focused you gotta uh kind of figure out what's involved i mean medical school is a, is more of a like it's a marathon it's no instant gratification <laughs> and then like once you're done it's like it gets hard it's like right. it's not the right. hard part right. the hard part comes later and um you you just have to trust that you you were prepared right for what's going to come at you it, it, i'm sorry you got me thinking about that old abc wide world of sports introduction oh, love, yeah with the, the poor the, guy with the, the guy yeah, on the, the ski jump yes the agony of, agony defeat. of defeat and it yes yeah yes and he wipes out at the end right before he gets off oh right? it's and he, he just launches. crashes that was like the intro the f- sunday yeah. sunday uh cbs wide world of sports right it's abc, not, uh, a- ABC, yes, wide ABC. World. yep yes yeah well, i yes. watched i watch that all yes. the time uh, it, wide world of sports would have been an interesting one to consider for for what we bring uh to the workplace because here's a show that is celebrating competition of all different types um i'm i'm listening to an audiobook right now it's al michaels autobiography al michaels one of the earlier work he did in his career for abc was as someone on wide world of sports and he talks about one of the events was motorcycles on ice i don't know if that if either of you recall that but the idea is that there are motorcycles they are fixed with studs <laughs> on their tires and they race on ice. Okay. That's literally what hey, the sport is. Somebody came up with that idea. I mean, all right, that doesn't sound dangerous at all. You put spikes on a motorcycle and you go out on the ice. Oh, yeah. Why not? Well, hey, if you go up to <laughs> Ashland, Wisconsin, they have a ice racing on the Schwamigan Bay and cars where they've studded the tires and pretty sure that's still going on. But you also got me thinking, Michael, about the variety of sports, sports in quotation marks here. They also had, remember the Battle of the Stars? I think that was also part of the Battle ABC's of the Network Wild, Stars, yeah. Battle of the Network Stars, but yeah, that was a, another uh, ABC Wide World of Sports episode. So, so this is like, like sort of like um, if you had a competition between like faculty and learners, right? Like if you had like a like a trivia or like some well, sort kind of, of fun. game yeah. like that, like that would that would be entertaining. Well, it would be fun. We we you know we did something like that. Uh, my first college I went up I went to where it was just I forget what they, they called it, but we had like uh, one activity. We had to do lip lip syncing. That was a that was a lip sync competition. So that was one thing, and then we had to do uh, the cafeteria tray toss. So you got each oh. each team got three trays and the picked the person to throw them and whoever threw the the trays you know the farthest oh. their team won so wow 
you know, that's, maybe that's... maybe we could do like uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know. The wind, um, it seems to me, would be a huge factor in the in the tray toss. Um, the can you get it, it cutting like, through the wind like just the right way? Rotational, like yeah, all kinds of things to think about. So these programs, and you know, the Olympics, which is essentially a television spectacle, that's how people experience it. You know, I I do think that they're all about showing us that there has to be joy in what we do. Um. And when we can find the joy in whatever it is that we're doing, when we can find the ways to make it exciting and meaningful and fun, mm-hmm. we're so much more motivated to pursue it. Uh, it becomes something Agreed. that's inherently more fulfilling. Agreed. Maybe that's Agreed. a big lesson for us. Yeah. Yeah. Very timely point, Michael. Thank you. I needed that today. <laughs> that's a, yeah, we'll leave that with our, with our audience here, our listeners, you know, find that joy. That's why I don't play Catan, because because it's not enjoyable at all. Oh, the that's so competitive. I don't like like the resources and like the like. Oh, I got really upset when I played it with my family. They won't let me near that board. Right. Anymore. I was going to say. I think there's a family story here that uh, <laughs> that probably involves uh, being upset by it. Well, my my wife and I had been we'd been watching TV in the evenings and then we got really bored with that. And so we started playing board games and uh, we've recently stopped that because with every game that we played, we cycled through about five where we played every night. Um, Not to brag, but I started winning every night and then Lauren would say, (laughs) "Okay, I'm ready to move to a different game. And then the same thing would happen. And she has concluded uh, that she's not good at games anymore. She doesn't want to play. So that that is the opposite outcome of what we want to find from these games. Right. Yeah. Joy Definitely. and pain. <laughs> yes. Find, find the joy. Indeed. Learn from the pain um, to find the joy. I think that's good. You know, we had I'm looking at our list here. We had a whole bunch of more things. I was going to talk about the NBA. Jeff, oh, you wow. listed cribbage. Anita, Ooh. you had a game for education that you made yes. up labor land. I, I did. We've got stuff to talk about. We got to return to this topic again, I think. Hey, it's all about play and having a good time. And Indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Love that attitude. Thank you so much for bringing that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm Michael Brown on, on behalf of Jeff Amundsen and Anita Bublik Anderson. Thanks so much for listening. Go ahead and subscribe to Medical Education Matters if you haven't already. And hey, while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. That would make us so happy. It helps other people to find the podcast. And you know what? It gives us joy from what we're doing, uh, that recognition. Um, And you know what? If you don't like the show, how about just a four-star review? I think that would be fine. (laughs) Leave a comment. We read them. We pay attention to it. Um, We're always here to bring you uh, exciting, timely conversations about the transformation of medical education. So thanks so much for listening. See ya. See ya. See ya.